of you <clears throat> reading the title are extremely interested in what we're going to be talking about. Some of you are wondering, are you going to have time to address the subject? <laughs> and the sad reality as we read the chapters, we'll find out that this is just the beginning of troubles for Jacob uh, that will continue well into his life, into the next chapter and beyond. But nonetheless, you see many of the genesis of it right here in chapter 29. Genesis 29 is what we'll be looking at this morning, verses 1 through 30, as we continue in this study now of the life of Jacob as we're going through the book of Genesis. Remember, the book of Genesis is about the Redeemer, the story of a Redeemer for all mankind, and how, one, the problem started in the book of Genesis, and how the solution begins and continues throughout history. And uh, as we do so, we, we have these snapshots of individuals, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then Joseph. And uh, we find in each one of these lives God working to save uh, mankind, really. But also, well, we find reality here. And we find how God is not just interested in getting a certain agenda done. Part of his agenda is developing and making mankind. Uh, changing them into the character of whom God wishes. And, and so much of our life we think and we wonder about as we're young, what are we going to do with our life? And God's question is not so much what you're going to do with your life, but who you will become in your life. And if we can teach our young people that to focus not so much on what you will do, but who you will be. And I think that there you will find the heart of God and His working with you. And it becomes really inconsequential what you do as compared to who you will be in life. And so we find that's true with Jacob, that God is working on Jacob on who he will be. And, well, so far it has not been very flattering uh, about Jacob, and, and it won't be for a good bit, but neither will our life be very flattering if we look at it and the honesty as the Word of God often looks at lives. And so we find up to this point that, well, Jacob is somewhat of a wounded individual as all of us are. Jacob comes with many desires like the rest of us, and he desires, one, undoubtedly, he desires blessings from his father, uh, but he is not loved by his father as much as his brother Esau is loved. And, uh, you know, Jacob, or Jacob's father, Isaac, has a penchant toward uh, game. Uh, what I mean by game is he wants mills that are hunted, and prepared by Esau, he has an appetite that just satisfied, that desires that. And, and Esau tunes into these heart desires of his father and consequently becomes the loved one by his father. And, and, and Jacob is always the one on the outside loved by his father. But you know, and in his boy's heart, not just to be loved by their mother, but to be loved by their father. And he never really gets this from his dad. Uh, he has to trick his dad into a blessing. And uh, consequently, in this trickery that he does toward his, uh, his father, it banishes him from the, the household. He is in exile. His brother wants to kill him because his brother is the victim of these things. And, and his mother pushes him away to say, we need to protect you. He doesn't get the blessings of his father as he goes. Uh, we know this because his, his objective is to find a wife, but he does not get the resources in obtaining a wife as Isaac did from his father. And so he is out on his own. He's got about a 500-mile trek 
to get to uh, Rebekah's homeland, there to acquire a wife that is of their household, of their blood, and uh, come back. That's the objective. But along the way, God does some major lessons. And this is not, it turns out, be does not end up being a year's journey, a two years journey, but ends up being over 20 years before Jacob comes back toward home. By that time, his mother uh, dies, and his father will also die. And so this is about what God is doing to Jacob, who he will become. If you remember last week, uh, we saw how God took him in a very uh, tender moment and gave him a major lesson. And the lesson through a dream, the stairway to heaven, is simply this, is that God is there. He is near. He is available. And that there is a stairway toward heaven that he has access to God. And we have the promises of God given down to him. And so he has an option presented to him. And we find that he makes this vow that if he is able to come back and all these things that God says does indeed happen, that he will make him his God. He makes a step toward God. It is not complete yet, but it is a step toward God. Much like many of you may have made steps toward the Lord as you look back in your life. And maybe even now you're trying to make a step toward the Lord. And the thing that you need to understand is that God has already made a step towards you before you ever started looking toward him. But let's see, what does Jacob do? He's got this vision. He's got a promise from God. He's got 500 or he's got 400 and and uh, 30-some miles left to go on his journey. And what happens when he gets there? Well, that's where we find ourselves. Chapter 29, verse 1 to 30. It is a fascinating story. And uh, you'll, you'll get much interest in this. And, and so as we Jacob and in honor of what we read together, is this being the word of God. Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it, for out uh, of that well they watered the flocks in a great stone. And Jacob, and thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in this place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? And he said, He is well. Behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day. And Jacob should be gathered together. What are ye the sheep? And go and feed them. And he said, We cannot until the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. And while he yet spoke with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near her. And Jacob mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. And it came to pass, when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house and told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Jacob, shouldst thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. 
And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee. And Jacob, man, abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days for the love he had to her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah's daughter and brought her to him. And he went unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid, for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What's this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee also for the service which thou serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so, and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. You may be seated. When you go to verse 1, you think, oh, well, this is just a short time between this vision and he gets there. It's more like a period of weeks of travel, of hard destination, uh, of hard journeying that that uh, Jacob is making as he's making this trek. And, and we get to this place, the, the land of the east. It doesn't really tell us exactly where it's at, but we get a clue as he asks the shepherds that are around him. Now, don't forget, his objective in going here is to find a wife. He is going in the steps of, of Abraham's servant when the servant was finding a wife for Isaac, going to the same general area, the, the same family. And so, he, as he gets to this area, he comes to a well. And, and as we get to this well, we realize what's about to happen. It, it automatically brings up parallels between Isaac's servant as he also went to a well and found there uh, Rebecca, who would become, wise, uh, become a wife for Isaac, Jacob's mother. And so we see parallels going on, but you also see some vast contrasts in how a wife was obtained for, for Isaac and how Jacob obtains for a wife for himself. I would uh, say that in this story, we find that Jacob's obtaining of a wife very uh, similar, or more similar to the way Americans tend to do it than necessarily uh, the arranged situation of uh, Abraham's servant. Uh, but you'll see some pitfalls that come with this as we go on. And so he comes to this, this well, and this evidently is a little bit different well. It may be more of a, a cistern type of a well where it was a narrow hole that a, a rock would cover over this to keep from having uh, animals and things fall into the well and defiling the water. And so this was an important security to have a stone. And so these flocks and the, and the shepherds are gathered around and they seem to be waiting. Uh, and uh, Jacob, being a shepherd himself, knowing how these things work, asked him, why are we just gathering here when they could be out in pasture? There's a, a profitable a- aspect here. The more they're out in pasture, the more they grow, the more they grow, the more profit you make. And so these are generally good business practices that for a shepherd. You don't want them just sitting around doing nothing. And so he's asking about these things. And, and the indication is given that there is a obtained or certain amount of time uh, when the stone is revealed 
uh, opened up, when there's enough shepherds around to roll the stone away. It could be laziness uh, on the shepherd's part. Uh, it could be some authority aspect uh, as to why these things are not done yet. But nonetheless, Jacob comes and, and takes advantage of the situation. He wants to know, how close is he? He says, where are you guys from? Haran. Okay. You happen to know of Laban? Yeah, we know of Laban. And so he realizes he's almost there. And he realizes even more that he's very close indeed because he asks, is it well with Laban? In other words, <laughs> is he doing prosperous? Uh, you know, uh, What kind of financial situation is Laban in? And he finds out an answer very quickly in that, oh, well, he's got sheep. Uh, they're, they're coming even now. And there's the daughter, Rachel, who is coming over this. Now, you know good and well that Jacob has his mind to obtain a wife, and he knows from his mother that he's to go to Laban. And so when there's mention of Laban's daughter uh, brought out, you know what Jacob's thinking. Okay, wow, this may be a quick journey indeed. Uh, I'm about to meet perhaps a prospective bride. And so notice um, uh, what he does. Verse 7, verse 8, he says, well, you know, why don't you guys go ahead and water your sheep? Get on going. <laughs> uh, and then he says that after he sees Rachel coming. All right? You know what he's doing. I want some alone time with this per- per- perspective person here. And so he, he says, you know, let's do this. And then it, it, I find it even more humorous. And they give him excuses why, why they don't do that. Uh, we're waiting for more shepherds to come. Um, and then uh, verse 10. And it came to pass... When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Isn't that interesting? This was the rock that they're waiting for other shepherds to come to to help and to push the stone away. And then when he sees Rachel coming, all of a sudden he gets in gear. It's amazing what guys will do when there's girls around. All right, I've seen this firsthand in my own life that, you know, when there's a girl around, uh, I'm thinking, you know what, everything's got to be a little bit sharper, a little bit stronger. And they, you know, you can just imagine uh, Jacob doing this little deal and he's pushing the stone out. Maybe he's just flexing as he's doing it, you know, and, and he just, and he, and he gets it done. And all the other guys are like, oh, what's the deal with this guy, you know? Uh, and, and so they water sheep to go on. And, and, and now he is uh, becoming a useful person to Rachel. He says, Rachel, you don't have to wait. You come on in and look at this. I'm going to move this out for you. And so he's just, he's just uh, serving her uh, and, and at the same time serving himself, trying to make a good impression. This is dating. All right. This is dating right here. And is it not the same when we see a girl and we try to make the, the best impression as possible? Uh, back in that day, it was moving stones. Now it's maybe dressing up a little bit sharper, opening up the door uh, for, the, for the ladies, and, and just, you know, just generally being a better person, a good person, than you perhaps really are. Dating. <laughs> I've got problems with it, but you know what? That, you know, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. It's just, it's just a silly way of getting folks together. But nonetheless, that's what Jacob is doing, and he's putting his best foot forward. You remember this was, what was what's Jacob's background? Is he the outdoors man? Is he, is he the hunter guy? No, he's, he's mama's boy. He's the one helping in the tent. He's the one getting the mills together. This is what the Bible says. And now all of a sudden, man, he's like Mr. Rugged and moving stones all the way. Uh, and so you, you see the differences that are taking place in, in Jacob's life. And so 
uh, well, you know what? Jacob is, seems to be uh, really into the moment. And notice what happens as we keep on reading here. Uh, what is the flock? And then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. What would Rachel be thinking at this moment in time? Just, just so you know, it, it was not a, uh, a strained situation for a guy to kiss a girl. It's probably kissing on the cheek. But it's usually reserved for folks that are family members, uh, close friends. Um, and, you know, it would have been fitting as cousins for them to do this. But notice the order. He kisses her, then weeps, then tells her. <laughs> what would she be thinking? It's like, who, who is this dude that's kissing me and now all of a sudden just weeping out like this? And so then he goes on and explains the situation, that uh, who he is, the, the, that he is a father's relative, that he's Rebecca's son. And so this greatly impresses Rebecca, and she goes and tells her father. And so the father comes in, Laban, and verse 13, uh, ran to meet him, embraced him, and kissed him, and brought him to his house. What was the last encounter Laban had with his family? Well, it was none other than Isaac, uh, Abraham's servant coming in with many gifts, uh, ten camels loads of saying that we want to get your wife, uh, your sister Rebecca, and gave them gifts. And we got a clue in that passage that Laban kind of had a, an eye for the gifts. And uh, that was the last thing he remembered about this family. Oh, you mean uh, this is Jacob? This is Abraham's grand Isaac's son? Oh, okay. And he runs and embraces. And, and uh, you, it, it gives a little bit of explanation of his exuberance in meeting uh, Jacob. And I think there's more to it other than that this is his long-lost nephew. And so Jacob tells him all these things, uh, what's happened to him. I don't know if he really told him everything. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Okay, for a month, Jacob's getting a lay of the land. He's getting a lay of the family. He's figuring out who's who. And in that month's time, he makes some serious decisions. Uh, He is undoubtedly smitten with Rachel. And we find a little bit more about this as we keep on reading. Verse 15, Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what should your wages be? Now we read in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, 13, 24, 14, that when uh, brothers, family members, strangers come in in great need, they should be paid daily. Uh, A month has gone by. And nothing has happened. And so uh, Laban is at fault and and not necessarily doing the best job of taking care of Jacob. And so now he says, you know, maybe we should should pay you something. Now verse 16, he goes in and describes what's going on. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Now, if you look at the meaning of these names, it kind of... It doesn't do either one of them great service, uh, if you know the meaning of their names. Uh, evidently, Laban was quite the commercialist and uh, named his daughter Leah Cow. All right, Wild Cow. Um, I'm not trying to pick on anybody named Leah. I'm just telling you this is what it means. And I want to think, well, that's not good. Well, what's Rachel's name? Well, Rachel's name was you, or a little sheep, a little lamb. And, well, you know, that may be a little bit better. I think I would prefer lamb versus cow. Uh, But it seems not necessarily a description of their appearances, hopefully, as much as this is what they did. 
And uh, <laughs> he's just totally pragmatic. You're going to watch over the cows. Rebecca, you're going to watch over the sheep. Uh, you know, if he had more children, maybe he would have called one a camel. Uh, you know, we don't. That's, you know, it seems to have a, a very pragmatic aspect going on here. And so cow and sheep are their names, Leah and Rachel. But then verse 17 gives a little bit more description. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. That's what that meaning was, a form and appearance. There is a beauty that's going on here. Uh, notice Rachel is a real beauty. It says... Uh, not only was she from the, there is a beauty that in her appearance, but from the neck down also very appealing. And so that's what the Bible describes Rachel as being. And so we've got some kind of contrast going on with Leah and describing Leah's eyes as weak or delicate, gentle, tender. There's different ways that you can describe this. Um, some say, well, this may be a positive aspect in, re- in regarding her spirit. Her, there is a beauty that with her eyes being a, a reference to this, but I think it's probably more along the physical line since that's how Rachel is being described as physical. Um, we don't really know what weak eyes mean. I, I don't think it's that she couldn't see well uh, because the contrast there would be like, well, you know, she can't see well, but Rachel really could see good. There is a beauty that... I don't think that's a contrast. It's really more of the physical appearance. I don't know if that meant that... Uh, there is a beauty that... Keeping eyes are that one eye was going one direction and the other eye going another. I, you know, I don't know exactly what this means, but this would have been important back then because many of these uh, periods, they would wear veils. And so, you know, all you got are the eyes. And so, uh, you know, that doesn't do... There is a beauty that have good eyes back then. And so we've got some kind of description and we don't know. It's something that's kind of messing up her face at some point. Um, But I just want you to remember something. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Uh, Regardless of the physical aspects that you may have, there is a beauty that there is a beauty that resides in being a, a character uh, that is godlike in your attitude and in, in how you talk and how you deal with others. And we'll learn that Rachel doesn't really have that. She's got the beauty, she's got the charm, but it's passing, it's deceitful, and inside there is still not a heart that worships God. It comes evidence later on in that she stills idols from her dad when they, she leaves her dad she's not a worshiper of the lord evidently um nothing said here about rachel about leah but jacob notice verse 18 jacob loved rachel what's the extent of her love of his love well when he asked these wages he said i will serve you seven years for rachel your younger daughter all right put that in in today's terms all right how much do you make in a year? All right. What's your, what's your income for a year? Multiply that times seven. And that's how much Jacob is willing to pay for a wife. Now, you say, pay for a wife? Well, understand, that's how they did things back then. Uh, and from what I understand, the, the normal rate for a wife back then was somewhere around 30 to 40 shekels. 30, for, uh, 30 to 40 shekels. Um, as best we can figure out, uh, what they would earn in a month would be one and a half shekels a month. Uh, so you can see how, well, <laughs> he is paying four times the normal rate 
for Rachel. All right? That's his measure of love. And, and we get all romantic about this. We're like, oh, isn't that sweet? How do you put a price on love? And so Jacob tries to do that. He puts a price on love. He says, seven years. Now, Laban is a shrewd man. He says, you know what? That's not a bad deal. Seven years labor. I don't have to pay him. And he's, all I got to do is just give my, my daughter to him. Let's do it. Let's take care of this thing. And so he uh, notices his, his, his response, verse 19. It's better that I give her to you than I should give it to another man. Stay with me. Uh, <laughs> not exactly exuberant. Uh, but, you know, as any father-in-law might be, uh, future father-in-law might be, okay, well, you know, you're better than others I've seen. And, and there is an idea that, hey, he's family. Now, you and I might think, well, that's, <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> that's a turnoff. But back then, that wasn't a turnoff. That was a turn on. All right. Uh, this is how things went in the Old Testament uh, period. But you remember, specifically with this tribe, uh, with Jacob, that was the whole idea, was to find someone 70 years. Not to marry folks of the, of the area around him that were uh, idolaters and were going to grow worse and worse according to the prophecies of God. But they would go and find their own group. And, and well, you know, can't get too much closer. If you do, it's even worse. But first cousins, all right? First cousins is where they're at. And that seems to work. And they're excited about all this. And so he works, verse 27, years for Rachel. And they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Everybody says, ah, that's just so sweet. You know, but listen, here's a good lesson in this. Uh, if, If Jacob was willing to work seven years for his wife, young ladies, when you're out dating with guys and a guy says to you, I can't wait. If you really love me, then in the years that we express it. And they choose their ways of expressing it. You know what I'm talking about. If Jacob can wait seven years because of his love and working, if someone really loves you, they can wait. And it will be as nothing because of their love for her. But if it's about a love for yourself, those seven years will seem like 70 years. If it's about loving yourself. Just as a side note, that's not really the point of this text. Um, And so, verse 21. And Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. The Hebrew uh, translation, it's really quite in your face. Crass. As you read this, you understand what the motivation is? You can see this in the English. He says, Said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that, in other words, I'm about to tell you the reason why I'm demanding this now, that I may go into her. It is a physical desire and appetite that is at this point for seven years has been consuming Jacob. He says, there's no niceties about it. There's no polite, give me Rachel, all right, he has been obsessed at this point. And I bring this out because, you know, he was doing so well. He had this vision, he had this dream, he saw that God was near, and he saw what was available to him in the Lord. And the next thing you know, he gets caught off with a girl. I'm telling you, I see this time and time again. It happens today, all the time. Someone gets 
get turned on to the Lord, and then uh, an, an option is presented to them, and they start striving for this relationship, striving for this person. Next thing you know, it all becomes about this person and their happiness, their joy. Everything is dependent on how this person smiles or not smiles at them. And drama is everywhere. Why is there drama and the pre-adolescent and the adolescence years so much? Because part of it is because they lift up humans and make their joy humans. And they get all worked up about these things. Now, you think I'm being overly harsh on this. Some of you have dealt with drama and you know how harsh that is. He is obsessed. What has he been thinking about for seven years? Oh, beautiful Rachel. Visions of her dancing in his head. And so the time is finally here. And he says, it's got to happen. Give me my wife. Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah's daughter and... Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went went into her. Undoubtedly, in this feast, wine was involved. It would not be a shock if his uh, Jacob's senses are not at the sharpest. Could very well have been dulled by the the wedding feast. It is evening. It is dark. Uh, Leah would have had a veil on at this moment in time. And remember, Jacob is not in a patient mood. In his haste, he completes the marriage act. And it is at that moment in time, there is no going back. The package has been opened. You cannot return the product. Okay? That is their way of dealing with it back then, is that it's a sealed deal. Jacob, in his haste, in his impatience, in his obsession... Goes and completes the marriage act. And undoubtedly, he probably would have said her name. Rachel and Leah undoubtedly would have answered yes. In the dark. And then we find this sad side note, verse 24. Laban gave his maid Zilpha to his daughter Leah as a maid. That factors in significant later on. And so it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. (laughs) Can you imagine the shock of that deal? I mean, you thought your honeymoon was bad? (laughs) Some of you may have had bad stories. I'm telling you, they do not compete with this. Uh, Can you imagine? You wake up in the morning, the sunlight is there, and you turn around, and oh, oh my. You mean, did we do what I think we did last night? And he's thinking, how did this happen? And he's thinking, well, you know, where did the switch get me? And he remembered, oh, it was Laban that brought her to him. And he traces it back to the source. And he says, Laban, what is this that you've done to me? Let me just share with you and, and stop here for a second. The obsessions of this world, the Rachels of this world, will always disappoint. The obsessions of this world, 
If it's of this world, it will disappoint you. I, I think about Song of Solomon when he writes about everything under the sun, vanity upon vanities upon everything under the sun. And the implication is if it's of this world, it is a passing, fleeting thing. And the implication is that is if it's above the sun then it is not a vanity thing. It is not a fleeting thing. If it's something outside of this world, there is an eternal purpose and meaning behind it. But as long as it's on this earth, it is temporal at best. And when we put up people as beautiful as she was, and we put up our children as sweet as they may be, and we put up jobs as powerful and influential as they may be, and we put up money as alluring as money may be, it will always disappoint. And the moment that we wake up and we find that we have attained what we desired, we will look and say, Behold, it's Leah. It's not what I thought it would be. The obsessions of this world will always disappoint. And then we're going to find another important lesson. There's two important lessons here. And it kind of plays out as we read. Laban gets interrogated by Jacob, as you would rightfully think. He says, was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? Remember what Jacob's name means? Supplanter. Deceit. Trickster. Jacob's been out Jacob. And he realizes what's going on. He says, oh my, why have you deceived me? It's not the same word as Jacob, but it's why have you defrauded me? Why, why have you done this to me? Verse 26, notice Laban's reply. Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Ooh. That would have stabbed Jacob. You have to think, well, you know, why did Jacob make a big fuss about this? I mean, he had every right at that point. says, you know what? No, I've worked seven years. You give me Leah and Rachel. And, and you know, he could have demanded these things. And, and, you know, our romantic side, there's a part of us that kind of craves that. And we're like, you know what? This is wrong. <laughs> Jacob really got messed up here. And we're, we're rooting for Rachel and all. But you know, Jacob doesn't put up a fight because he realized something. When Laban responded the way that he did, what's our custom? The older before the younger. Ooh, did that not hearken back to Jacob and how he outmaneuvered Esau, the older, and how he was blessed before the older, and how he deceived his own father Isaac? And when Isaac called out Esau, he said, yes. As Leah undoubtedly perhaps would have answered to Rachel. As in the dark, Isaac could not see. And it seems to be that Jacob could not see here. And he realizes, it's been over seven years. But I realize it's coming back to me. How I have lived How I have treated others is being treated back to me. Remember Jesus told us a very important statement like that. As you would treat others. As you would treat yourself, treat others. As you would have done unto you, do unto others. 
is a principle that Jesus laid out in the New Testament. And here Jacob is realizing it. He has treated others this way. And it is only fair for him to be treated the same way. Here's another important lesson. Sin will always have consequences. Sin will always have consequences. You may be thinking, well, yeah, that was, that was seven years ago. That was over seven years ago. I mean, we had this wonderful vision of Christ, a vision of the Lord, and this dream that he had, and it seemed like God has given him grace and mercy, and he did. He did give him grace and mercy. But just because you get grace and mercy does not mean that you're exempt from the consequences. And here it's been. Let me ask you, do you think you're getting away with something just because it didn't come back to you that same day? You think, well, it's been a week, it's been a year, it's been a month, it's been a month, it's been se- it's been several years. And I remember back in my heart, back in that time when I did something wrong. I know I did something wrong, and I was convicted about this. But I, you know what? I, I hadn't got any punishment about that. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It's been seven years between the act and the consequence. And it's not just one specific act of Jacob. He was characterized by this type of lifestyle. And he gets outmaneuvered, outfoxed by a dear old Uncle Laban. And it's coming back to him. And so, we see it coming. The problem here, though, is that, you know, he's been looking and craving for a blessing from his father he never really got. Now he's trying to put it on Rachel this desire, this fulfillment. How can I be satisfied? If it's not going to happen in Daddy, maybe it's going to happen in Rachel, and there's no Leah there. So consequently, he says, all right, I'm not going to give up on Rachel. Fulfill her a week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve me still another seven years. Fourteen years, eight times the normal rate of what you would normally pay for a wife. Think about that. 14 times your annual annual salary. That's what he's paying now for Rachel. Because of his desire, his obsession, and Leah's just kind of on the side and all this thing. It's like, if I could just have Rachel, then my life will be fulfilled. It would be beautiful. Unfortunately for him, he realizes that it will not happen that way. And so, then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife also. And Rachel would always be the wife also. As much as he loved her more than Leah, he cannot go back in time and change the fact that she is the second wife, lower in position and stature. And we'll find, and you ask yourself, is this really right? I mean, we're rooting for Rachel. We're rooting for Jake and Rachel. I mean, after all, it's all love, you know? Love is, you know, be romantic about this, but we'll find that God gives his blessings on Leah, not on Rachel. Leah will be the one who will have many children often. Leah will be the one from whom Judah is born. Judah will be the one that God chooses, his line, that the Messiah, the Redeemer, would come from. Leah would be the one that Levi comes from, and it would be of his line that the priests are given. Rachel will die young. Even though she's younger than Leah, she will die early on, and she'll be buried on the roadside somewhere near Bethlehem. 
Leah will live her full life and will be buried in a cave next to Jacob and the family tomb. She will always be the wife also. He asked, Pastor, are you saying that he shouldn't have married Rachel? Yeah. Why do I say that? Well, that's unromantic of you. Well, it's also sin. <laughs> you cannot get past the fact that in Genesis, he gave the very first principle, one man, one woman, one Adam, one Eve. And though there are multiple wives, as we see in Abraham and as we see in Jacob, that does not mean that it is right, no matter how much you love this one. Friends, you may be in a relationship now that is outside of marriage, and it does not matter how much you love them, how much he loves you, or it doesn't matter how much she loves you, it doesn't matter how much they make you feel if you get the flutterbugs every time they walk in the door. It's still not right. We'll find that Jacob puts all this pressure on Rachel. And Leah feels it, and she knows that she is not loved. But the problem is is that when you put all this pressure of getting your fulfillment and satisfaction on a human being, we put a weight on a column that the column cannot bear up. Another human being was not intended to give you fulfillment in your life. The Lord is. Do not put expectations on another person that says my life now has meaning because this person's in my life. Do not do that with your children. Do not do that with your parents. Do not do that with your spouse. Do not do that with your job. You will put pressures on it that they were not intended to do. They will always be turn out to be Leah's in your life. And they will not bear up for that pressure. We'll find this cycle continue. Girl troubles, they will continue. And unfortunately, Jacob doesn't have the answer. He doesn't go to the answer. The answer is available to him, but he doesn't go to him. Let me just share with you, some of you are living for a Leah or for a Rachel right now. You've got that thing, that person that's offered up to you and it's consuming you. I just warn you, it will disappoint you. It's not intended for that purpose. I invite you, Offer up that Rachel and say, instead, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to find my hope in him. I'm going to find my joy in him. And he's going to set my joy, my attitude, my lifestyle, not on a person. Let's pray. Father, you know every heart here. You know who has struggled with this very issue that Jacob seems to be struggling with here in these 14 years of living for a person. God, I pray that you would help us to turn from such attitudes and lifestyles. God, I pray that instead that we would once again see that vision of the stairway to heaven and understand that we have access before God, you Almighty. Lord, that that would be our consuming desire, our consuming passion, because it is the one desire, the one passion that will not disappoint. It is not of this world, it is of you. 
And Lord, this world is passing thereof, and the lust and the desires of it are going to pass away, but the one who does your will will abide forever. Lord, may we be the eternal ones because we're abiding in you. Father, may we know and experience eternal life because we're living for you, our eternal one, and that we do not put this gift of eternal life on a shelf somewhere so we can lift up you as some other human being or some other thing of this world. Forgive us of our idolatrous ways. Once again, Lord, may we love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Understanding that if we do not, sin will have this consequence. Turn us from such, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we stand and sing. I invite you, if you want to turn your heart to Jesus and turn away from the Rachels in your life, I invite you to come and come to the altar and, say, and give your heart a new.